Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Azrin, the Language Nerd here, owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's podcast episode, and of course, YouTube video. I have some questions that I've received from different language learners, and I would like to answer those questions in today's podcast slash video. Let's dive right in. I've got them on my computer here. First question comes from Sarah. Sarah asks, what do you do when you understand what someone says to you, but you can't reply back? Great question. This question makes me think of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, of all things. I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for about three weeks now, and I've been watching a lot of videos on YouTube of people giving advice of how to get better at jiu-jitsu. One common piece of advice that I've heard is in jiu-jitsu, when you have a white belt and a blue belt, blue belt's your second belt level, okay? When you have a white belt and a blue belt, there's nothing you can ever do to beat a black belt. So if you're in class, you're rolling with a black belt. Rolling basically means wrestling. You're wrestling with a black belt, which will happen frequently. No matter what you try, no matter what you do, you're always going to lose. You're going to be tapped out. You're going to be submitted. You're going to be choked out. You're, gonna, you're, not, you're going to lose. The only exception is they let you win. Now, what's the connection to language learning? Well, the connection to language learning is something like this. When you're learning a language, it is inevitable that you're going to hear things that people say to you and either not understand what they say and or understand what they say, but not really know how to reply back. Okay, because you can't think of the words on the spot. You can't formulate it properly. This is normal. And it's going to be that way until you have a very advanced level. In fact, even at an advanced level, it will still happen to you from time to time. But... It's important to understand that, that at every stage of your learning, until you have a very, very advanced level, which will take a number of years to reach, some people, it might take five or 10 or 15 years, depending on how many hours you're studying, what language it is, how similar it is to something you speak, so on and so forth. But until you are very, very advanced, you're going to, you're going to have so many different experiences where you don't understand what people say to you and or you don't know how to reply so important to first internalize that because there's nothing you can really do to avoid it from happening. Okay, once we've swallowed that, once we've swallowed that pill, we can now start to get into some tactical advice. Okay, the first, the most important thing, I, the most important piece of advice I can give you is this. After someone says something to you and you don't know how to reply back, okay, you can't find the words. You have to reflect upon that experience and ask yourself what you could have said or what you should have said. Learn from the experience. So the next time you're in a similar situation, you're a little bit better off. I'll give you two examples. One is a jujitsu example because it, it really works well here. And one is a language learning. So on the jujitsu front, last two classes ago, I was working with the, with the coach in the class and he showed me some things I was doing with my arm, with my arms. That would make it really easy for him to submit me. He's like, this is a terrible position to be in. Do not be in this position. I was like, oh, okay. So now today when I was in class, I was like, okay, don't be in that position. And at least I was a little bit better off. I still lost, of course. I still got submitted. But at least I was a little bit better off than I was two classes ago because I learned something I shouldn't be doing. So I reflected back. I was also told by the coach, hey, avoid this. But through that post-reflection, I was able to learn something to make me better off the next time I'm in that position. Here's a language learning example. The first time I went to Beijing, 
I had overestimated my Mandarin level. I was far less fluent than I thought than I thought I was. And I remember walking into a restaurant. It was lunchtime. And there was menus, but there was no picture. There were no pictures. There was no there were no pictures in the menu. And I realized looking at it that I can't really read this menu. <laughs> and I'm vegetarian, so I can't just point at something and hope for the best. So I'm sitting there thinking, what can I do? Well, I didn't have access to the internet at the time or a dictionary or a translator, nothing. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to say anything about ordering food like, okay, I don't eat meat or I want something vegetarian or I'm vegetarian. I couldn't really remember anything. There were a few pictures on the menu, but, or on the menu, but nothing that was very helpful for me. And I was overwhelmed being in this restaurant, not knowing what to order, not knowing what where to line up there were so many things going through my mind i was very overwhelmed the only thing i could really remember how to say was the word for vegetable so i just said vegetable a few times when i was ordering and they brought me something with vegetables now after that experience i was reflecting back and i thought man what could have i done or what could have i said what would have i what would i have liked to have known wow that's a tough that's a weird grammatical sentence in english anyway what would have helped me in that situation? And I realized it'd be helpful to know how to say, I'm vegetarian. Does this dish have meat? Do you have anything without meat? I also wanted to learn how to say some common things I knew how to eat. I learned how to say egg, noodles, rice. I knew the word for vegetable. So I learned a couple of basic things to make my future experiences in restaurants much smoother than the first time. So it's the post-reflection when, you, when you're in that situation where you don't know what to say. And really, maybe they say something to you and you didn't really understand. Even in that situation, the same advice applies. Reflect on it afterwards and think, what could I have done differently? And that's going to then indicate to you what you need to work on now to avoid that situation or make that situation a little bit better the next time you are in that situation. Okay. Um, other things I'll give you here, a couple of the tactics, some people freeze up and that's why they don't know what to say. They have all the knowledge, but they get anxious and they freeze up. One thing you may want to do is find one person that you're comfortable talking to and only talk to that person initially, then find another person and become comfortable talking to that person and another and another and work your way one person at a time until slowly that anxiety goes away or at least reduces and you stop freezing up as often. Okay. A great way to sort of find different people like that, that you can get comfortable uh, speaking with, I would say is to use italki.com. That's I-T-A-L-K-I.com. You can find a lot of affordable private tutors on this website. And so you can book maybe six lessons with one private tutor, get used to talking to that person, then book six lessons with another person, get used to talking to that person and do it one person at a time until you're finding you're not super, you're not as nervous as you used to be talking to people and you're not freezing up as often as you used to. Okay, let's move on to question number two. This one comes from uh, Alu, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. <clears throat> I've been learning a language for five years and I'm not interested in learning it anymore but I feel like I need to continue due to sunk cost fallacy. What do I do? First of all, if you don't know what sunk cost fallacy is, it means it's something like this. It's a tendency we have to keep uh, dedicating time towards something, maybe a skill or a language, right? Even though we don't really want to, 
we keep we keep doing it because we've put so much time into it. So maybe you've, maybe this individual spent five years learning Spanish or something, and they spent maybe a thousand dollars over five years taking classes and stuff. And maybe they've put I don't know seven hundred hours into learning Spanish, and they're thinking to themselves, "Oh my God, if I quit now, it's a waste of all my effort." Okay, so what do we do in this situation? First of all, I would ask yourself, why? What's changed over the past five years that you're not interested in learning anymore? Maybe the reason you're learning has changed. Maybe you were dating someone five years ago who spoke Spanish, and that's why you're learning. But now you've broken up, so you do, you've lost that reason. Maybe you've lost the initial motivation to learn, and you need to find a new motivation, right? So dig into that. Dig into why aren't you interested anymore? What's changed? If you dig in, you might be able to spark that interest once more. Also, I want to I want you to realize that if you're dedicating if you're if you're spending time on an activity that you don't enjoy anymore, um, realize that that's actually a waste of your time because it's a waste of your time and energy because you could be dedicating that exact same time towards something more useful, relevant, or productive to you, right? Productive for you rather, or useful, relevant, or productive. You could be you could be spending that time on something else. So you think, oh, I need to keep going with this because I spent all this time and effort and energy and money, so on and so forth on this language. I can't quit. But you need to realize by you doing that, there could be something else that's far more useful for you or relevant to you, right? That you could be spending that same time on. So you're shooting yourself in the foot potentially by continuing to learn a language when you really don't want to. Okay, so that's something you should keep in mind. Lastly, I want you to realize it's not a sunk cost. It's not a waste of time because, well, you've probably learned a lot in five years. So you already have a base in the language at this point, I would think, right? And you've learned from this experience of learning a language and you can apply those learnings to something else. So I shared, I, here's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing again. I just literally came from class, which is why it's on my mind. Um, there's a lot of things about language learning that that I've learned by trying to, I've, there's a lot, there are a lot of things I've learned by learning a language or multiple languages that I'm now applying to jujitsu. I realized, for example, that, oh, right, when I learn languages, I know that if I learn something in a class or by watching a video, I know I have to keep it in mind and try and apply it when I talk to a native speaker. But in jujitsu, I found myself making a mistake that I would learn something in a drill and then I'd forget it when I was actually rolling with someone. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like in language. In language, if I learn something in this environment, I have to try to apply it in this environment. Right, 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 right. Keep that in mind. So now when I'm rolling, if I learn something in a drill, I keep it in mind and I try to apply it when I'm rolling. But I learned that lesson through language. So you've probably learned a lot. And if you haven't, reflect back. But if you reflect back, you'll realize there's a lot you've learned, not just about language learning, but about how to learn as a whole, how to learn new skills. You've probably learned a lot about how to learn new skills in general by trying to learn whatever language you're trying to learn that you can now apply to something else. So it's already not a sunk cost. You've learned so much from it. Now, a very tactical thing, a practical, practical, tactical, strategic, whatever word we want to use, a very tactical or strategic thing you can do to uh, make the sunk cost fallacy uh, feeling go away is you can pick a benchmark that you think is acceptable, that you think is an acceptable point to stop learning the language. 
you could say, listen, I've been doing this for five years. I'm going to stop when I reach this level. You can even do it by taking a test, depending on the language. Many languages have and have standardized tests you can take that that assess your level. So you might say, I want to keep learning this language until I get this level on this test. And then you stop. Then you feel like, at least I finished. Because here's the thing, language learning can be a, a process that goes on forever, really. It's something you could do for the rest of your life. So unless you pick an endpoint, there isn't going to be one. Okay. Moving on. Um, this one comes from a username. I'm not really sure what the name is, so I'll just read the question. Um, how do I learn an endangered or indigenous language? There are almost no resources to learn. Okay, this one has a shorter answer. Uh, first of all, in my experience so far with indigenous languages, which has been primarily with Blackfoot, which is an indigenous language here in southern Alberta, as as well as in northern uh, northern Montana, and also some with Cree as well. I've had some experience with Cree. You've, one thing I've seen work for other people is they utilize the community. They utilize the elders, the native speakers, the first language speakers they can find. And they ask them a whole bunch of questions about the language. They say, how would I say something like this? Could I say this? Can you pronounce this word for me? Wait, so if I say this, is that going to be right? Oh, it's not going to be right. Okay, how would I say it? Oh, I should say this. And they ask all they ask all the first language speakers a million questions. And they use that as their primary learning resource. They also practice speaking with them all the time. Okay. Number two, scour the internet for resources. You might even need to take a course on how to use Google, like how to really use Google. People think Google is just a little search engine with a quick search. No, no. Google is very a very advanced tool, a very powerful tool. And if you know how to use it properly, you can, you can find resources and materials that uh, you didn't even know were there. So there are a number of things I do with Google that are very helpful that find that help me find things. For example, you can do, you can actually search on Google only for PDFs. So you can only get PDF resources that show up. Or you can search on Google and you can search for very specific phrases. There are a number of things you can do. So you're going to need to scour the internet for resources. Look on YouTube, look on Google, look on the App Store, look on the Google, Google Play Store, right? Ask, look on Facebook groups right? See if there are LinkedIn groups, right? Who knows? Every forums, maybe there's some old school forums that exist. Maybe there's, who knows, right? Maybe um, if someone's written a textbook, you can see who the author is, Google their name, find their email address or the LinkedIn or the Facebook, Twitter, message them, right? Network that way. You need to scour the internet for resources. Um, because you don't have that many. So you need to find, you need to find the needle in the haystack. You need to find it. And that means scouring the internet. Okay. A couple little practical things. So on YouTube, uh, on YouTube, there's some fee, there's a feature where you can change the, the search results you see. You can order it differently. You can order it by upload date. So if you search like Cree lessons, if you search Cree lessons, the first videos you see are all going to be these popular ones. But maybe someone posted a Cree lesson yesterday, but they're not very well known. And so they're only going to have six views on the video, but their video is still there. If you change it to upload date, you might see all the videos you'll see, you'll see in chronological order. So you can see, oh, look, look at that. Oh, there's someone who most posted a Cree lesson. Wow, there's 150 Cree videos here. They only have 12 views each. Oh my God, no one's found this resource. That's so useful though. 
So that's one little practical thing you can do, right? Um, hopefully that's helpful. And then number three, squeeze the living daylights out of every resource that exists. Unlike more popular languages, French, Spanish, English, if you don't like a resource, you can hop over to another one. You can find something else. You can start a resource and not finish it. With indigenous languages, endangered languages, you have to squeeze the living daylights out of every resource that exists. If all you found for whatever language is some old dictionary that someone once made that only has 220 words, and that's all you found, your starting point might need to be memorizing those 220 words, like really know those 220 words. Maybe, I don't know. Um, it's not an ideal learning strategy, but literally if that's all you have to go with in the beginning, you might be stuck with it, right? So you got to squeeze the living daylights out of every resource that you can find and really use it, really use it, okay? It's like if you had no food and you're in a forest and you had like, you caught a fish, you'd eat every little bit of the every little bit of the fish you could. You wouldn't leave one tiny speck of meat left on those bones. Whereas if you're living in a house, apartment, city, whatever it is, you know, you don't finish your food. You know, there's lots of food where that came from in most places, many, most places of the world, right? So that's the analogy. You've got to really take advantage of, of the resources you do find. Okay, final question here. Do you think it's a good idea for someone to study two languages at the same time? This is from uh, from Dave. Uh, Dave also says, I won't personally be doing this since I have a hard enough time just trying to learn one language, but have the other, I'm just wondering if the other people you've worked with um, were okay or had an okay time uh, learning multiple languages at once. Okay, so here's my answer. First of it, first of all, absolutely, go for it. You wanna learn two languages at once? By all means, go nuts. You want to do three? By all means, go nuts. Like, yes, you can learn multiple. A few things. It'll be difficult. It'll be difficult, but worth it. You'll need to find the time to do both languages. You'll probably need to become more organized because you'll need to find time for two languages. You'll probably need to become more, more disciplined and dedicated because you're going to have to learn how to do that, right? To really spend time on two things, two different languages you'll realize that strategies that work for one language don't work that well for the other. And that's going to make you discouraged. You're going to have to work through that, overcome that, right? You'll need to learn how to problem solve. How do you learn both languages in a way that's interesting and engaging, right? So it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a gateway for you to develop quite a bit on personally in terms of yeah, I guess personally, you'll develop a lot. You'll learn a lot about how to learn new skills if you ride that roller coaster, because it will be difficult. If you ride that roller coaster of trying to learn two languages, it's probably going to be more difficult, most likely. There are exceptions, but if we have that bell curve, right, the bell curve we all know of, for that middle section of the bell curve, most likely it's going to be difficult to learn multiple languages, but it doesn't mean don't do it. It means you can you know, sit up straight and really focus and get at it. You can try Right. Um, I heard uh, I think the guy's name is Alex Horowitz, I believe his name is. I think that's his name. I think it's Alex Horowitz. Um, he uh, he he was on this podcast and he said something interesting. He said, this is what hard feels like. It's a great little line. This is what hard feels like. I love that line. Often we we 
we try to do something, we try to learn something, and it's difficult. Okay, it's very difficult. We knew going in that it wouldn't be easy mentally. But emotionally, we didn't realize what it meant that it's going to be hard. So going into the task, you thought to yourself, yeah, this is going to be hard. I'm mentally ready. But emotionally, you weren't ready. So when you hit that first obstacle, or maybe it's a 10th obstacle, whatever obstacle number you're at, you hit that obstacle and it's hard. You want to quit. It's helpful to remind yourself, this is what hard feels like. I knew it was going to be hard. This is what it feels like. I just need to accept it. And that's normal. This is normal now. And you reset like, oh, right. Now your expectation of it being difficult matches the reality. You've calibrated your emotions with your mental, with the idea of, oh, this is going to be hard. That's been a big one for me. This is what hard feels like. That's been a big one for me. It's been very, very helpful. Now, in the end, you might end up dropping one of the languages. You might try to do two. You might do it for three months, six months, a year, who knows how long, maybe longer. And eventually you decide, okay, I'm done with this language. I really want to let it go, right? Understand it won't have been wasted time. Don't feel like, oh, I'm so terrible. I wasn't able to maintain two. Oh, I suck. No, it's not a waste of time, right? You will have acquired new skills. You'll have learned something more about yourself. So the next time when you try to learn a venture, maybe you try to learn um, a martial art, right? And you think to yourself, okay, do I want to learn one martial art? Or do I want to learn two? Maybe I want to learn two. You can think back and say, oh yeah, when I tried to learn two languages, the I, I encountered these three challenges. Okay, now that I'm trying to learn two martial arts, how will I avoid those three challenges from coming up again? Or how will I overcome those challenges this time? So you'll have acquired new skills about how to learn as a whole. So it won't have been wasted time. Now, obviously, the longer you can hold on to both languages and do two at the same time, the more you'll develop, right? The harder you can, the harder, What's there's a, there's a saying about that. I can't remember what it is. We'll leave it. We'll put it aside for now. But the longer you can hang on, the more you'll, and the more you'll end up developing personally, the, the better it'll be. But it's okay. Don't beat yourself up for dropping one. It's okay. Learn from why you dropped it and then apply those learnings the next time you try to learn something new. Okay. A final little note I'll say, and I'll wrap this podcast up. Um, something that's been very helpful. So how do I say this? Um, one thing you may want to ask yourself, something you may want to ask yourself is this, what's something that you're very, very good at? Like you're really good at it. And it's something that you learned how to do, not something that came natural to you. Maybe there's something you're really good at and it just came natural and you're just very good at it. But no, no, what's something that you're very good at that you had to learn how to do? Maybe it's powerlifting. Maybe it's you're very strong. Your every muscle is very strong and, you know, you're you're in excellent shape. You had to learn how to do that and you had to execute on it, of course. Maybe you had a black belt in judo. One of my good friends is a black belt in judo. Right? That took him years of hard work. He worked hard for that black belt. Um, so that was something he did, right? Think of something you're really good at you're excellent at, and you had to learn how to get there, okay? When you're learning a language, in your mind, you have to remind yourself to what was the process like of becoming, of learning how, learning the other skill that you're now very, very good at. So if you compare it, you'll think to yourself, oh yeah, it took me nine years, nine years to get to that level as a, I don't know, as a javelin thrower, 
right? Uh, nine years, or maybe um, I knew some people, grow, I played very competitive soccer growing up. You know, I knew people that were on division one teams, right? And listen, it had been their lives for 10 years. They were 16 years old. They'd been playing soccer since they're five. So it's 11 years of their lives, five days a week, six days a week, training, practice, games, conditioning, extra camps, um, working with this instructor from this country who's an expert at teaching people how to fix their shot. And like it was their lives to get to that division one team. So when you think about that and you go and you compare learning a language to that, you might realize, oh, yeah, okay, I see I can compare my level in my language to my level to what the equivalent would be in that other skill. And you have that as a benchmark um, to keep yourself grounded and keep your your expectations in check and, and keep them realistic. Now, if you're not really excellent at anything, there's nothing that you had to that you had to learn how to do and that you're now excellent at and you don't have anything like that, well, what you need to realize is as you're trying to learn a language and you're, as you're trying to learn a language, realize that so far, you don't have a roadmap of how to become excellent at something. You don't, because here's the thing, becoming excellent at something, learning how to become very good at something, so far in my experience and my life, the roadmap is pretty similar for any skill you want to become excellent at, generally. Similar roadmap. Once you've done it once, you have a roadmap and you have it, you can kind of follow it for other skills in a way. If you're not excellent at anything, realize you don't have the roadmap and realize you're learning the roadmap right now and that's okay. That's really cool that you're learning, you're getting that roadmap right now. And you're going to be able to use that, you know, for any other skill that you you try to learn in the future. Crap, I had more I wanted to say, but I have something I have to head off for. So it is what it is. Thanks for watching this video slash listening to this podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.